Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. And finally... Welcome back to the Under Review Podcast. I feel like it's been eons since we've been on the show. How's it going, Steve? It's been way too long. Uh, has it, what has it been, like four or five weeks? I think it's been longer than that. Uh, maybe, maybe. Um, part of it's my fault because the last time we recorded, I forgot to press record. So we were talking for an hour and a half and then didn't have anything to show for it. Um, and after that, we wanted to re-record, but things just got in the way. Um, you know, before we knew it, the holidays were upon us. And then I was traveling to the U.S. I was in New York and Florida for the last two weeks. So, yeah, we're finally here, finally back. And, boy, has it been a great couple of weeks for Ranger fans. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'd say so. Um there's definitely a lot of things to talk about in the last couple of weeks. Um, but I think before we start and, you know, dive into that, uh, I just want to let people know who are listening to the show that we plan on on being uh, regular now since, you know, schedules kind of got cleared up. So we plan on going back to our, our weekly up um, uploads instead of this, you know, monthly or bi-monthly or whatever was going on the last few months. So we've definitely had a lot of hiccups the last couple of months, but we're getting ourselves back on track here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, you've been feeling a bit under the weather the last couple of weeks. You're better now, so that's that's out of the way. Uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's dive right into it. Um, so, what do you want to talk about first? I think the first thing we got to talk about is Artemi Panarin. I, I mean, I think he's the, I think he's been the, the the talk of the town for the whole season. I mean, he really has. I mean, I, I think it's. Um, First of all, here's here's a question to ask: Have is this the best free agent signing the New York Rangers have ever had? Yes, I would agree with that. Um, this is the best free agent signing we have ever had. It's the best first season a player has ever had for our team. Um, I think Adam uh, Artemi Panarin is one of only three Rangers ever to record 67 points in the first 45 games to start the season. The others are Yarmir Yager and I think Andy Bathgate in 72. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not just off to an incredible start. He's off to an all-time start. He um, is. He's on pace for 116 points, which would be, I think, the third highest by any Ranger. I think that the highest is still the 123 uh by Yager. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna crack that. I don't think he's gonna crack that either. Uh although to be fair, scoring is up a little bit this season. Um on average there's around six goals a game. Um which also explains a little bit why guys like Strom have a higher uh point per game average. But yeah he's he's on pace for 116 points at the moment. Uh, just comes off a five-point game against the Islanders, which is the best statement he could have made. This is the team that he walked away from. You know, they put an offer on the table, and he just turned around and walked away. 
And I think Islander fans have been circling this game all year. You know, when, when the season schedule came out, this was the, the game they circled for many reasons. And one of them was that they were going to play Panarin and they were going to show Panarin how, you know, what a mistake he made by signing with the Rangers. And 18 seconds in or something like that, the Islanders score, uh, Jordan Eberle. And then Panarin decided to put on the Artemi Panarin show, as we've seen so many times, but five points. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been remarkable. Um, 11.6 million a year. I think he's underpaid. I'm easily. He should have got 13 I'm, million. I'm, I'm going to be in complete agreement. I mean, I think people think I'm fucking nuts, but I think he's underpaid. I mean, I think he's, he's that fucking good, guys. He is, he's actually underpaid at $11.5 million, which is absolutely bonkers to think about. Yeah, I mean, the guy, guy literally takes over games. He's the first Ranger to be paid an eight-figure salary in the salary cap era, and he's underpaid. That's, that's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. Um, another thing that, that, that's ridiculous is that you think of the fact that Artemi Panarin, you know, basically went undrafted and look where this guy is at this point. I mean, he, you know, got picked up by Chicago, you know, got signed by Chicago, then got traded over to Columbus in a, in a steal by Columbus for the, that, that, that sod trade. And then decides to go to free agency, you know, gets you know, gets offers from the Islanders, and I believe the Panthers too gave him an offer, or is it Columbus? One of the other gave him the other offer. Well, and then he well, decided to spurn both teams and then go to the Rangers for less money and become then become a you know basically the, the you know the cream the talk of the town and the the cream of the crop here in New York. Yeah, uh, of course the uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets put an offer in because they wanted to retain him, um, but he had made up his mind he was going to leave Columbus. I think the only reason there were Florida rumors is because of the Bobrovsky connection. Um, but I don't think, if I remember correctly, I don't think the Florida Panthers had the cap space to sign both. Uh, so the moment they signed Bobrovsky, they were out for Panarin. Uh, also, the Quenville connection, of course, was there. Uh, but yeah, he signed with the Rangers. Uh, and he's been he's been having so much fun. You know, he's been, he, he's been driving... He's been the driving force behind this Ranger team all season. Um, he's been active on social media. He did this Instagram uh, poll where fans could pick the jersey number he was going to wear. You know, fans were able to choose between number 10 and number 27. Um, the, the, whole, the whole story with his dog has been huge on social media. It's a lot of fun to have a player who engages with the fan base this much on top of being that good on the ice. Yeah, and I would even, I would even argue that um, just as much as he's what's he doing off the ice for the fans and, and, and his engagement with uh, the fan base, I think what's really important here on the ice is his impact in the clubhouse. I mean, the, the swagger that he is bringing back to this franchise is really important. Like, I, I think sometimes it, it gets a little overplayed or um, maybe unnoticed sometimes, depending on depending on who you talk to. But it is important to have that swagger and confidence back in a clubhouse, and you get that with elite talent. They they come in and from day one they take they take games over, and he's going to be the kind of guy to give guys like a Capo Caco and you know and a Krasov and give them the confidence to go out and and play their ass off and really elevate their, their the level of their play because he does it. 
You know, that, that, that don't, you know, I think sometimes when you have a, a team full of young kids, the way the Rangers do, you need guys like Artemi Panarin to really, you know, show them what can be done with, when you have the skill and you, and you push yourself hard, you know, and, and, and having that swagger and, you know, on the ice and swagger in the locker room, like the way he, you know, does the high, you know, the high stepping kicks, the way he's celebrating goals, all his sellies are fantastic. The way he's dancing and hugging with Sabanajad and, 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 and ADA and all the guys, I mean, like don't, that is, is so intoxicating for a locker room. Yeah, and, and, you know, what Panarin has been doing is even more impressive considering the fact that Zibanejad has been out for a good chunk of the season with injury. Uh, and if you look at the top 10 uh, scorers in the league, the top 10 in points, uh, I actually did a tweet about this um, yesterday. I was looking at, um, you know, uh, the top 10 in points, so McDavid, Dreisaitl, Panarin, McKinnon, et cetera, et cetera. And then look at how far ahead they are of the second highest player on their team in terms of points. So McDavid has one more point than his best teammate in Dreisaitl. Pasternak has three more points than Marchand. Uh, Huberdeau has 12 more points than Barkov. So they're all like these, these one-two punches on these teams. Mm-hmm. And then you have in the, t- in the top 10, you have two players who stand out. It's Nathan McKinnon, who has 33 more points than the second highest ranked player on his team. And Artemi Panarin with 25 more points. Hmm. It's, this, is, this is what the MVP race should be about. This is what the, the, um, the Hart Trophy should be about. Guys like Panarin and McKinnon who are dragging their team through the season. Regardless of them making the playoffs or not, but Panarin with 25 more points than the second highest Ranger and McKinnon 33 more points than the second highest player on the Avalanche, those should be the ones in in the conversation for the MVP trophy, in my opinion. And for Panarin to do it, this, you know, on a team that's not even in a playoff spot, to be third in the league in scoring with 67 points in 45 games, that's just amazing. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think the other thing to think about when you look at the, you look at this Ranger team, right? And you look at the point production. Um, so say if Mika Sabanajev was healthy and he didn't miss those 13 games, he'd probably be in at least, you know, the high 40s to 50 point range. And he'd be looking at a 90 point season, roughly, right? That was kind of what his trajectory was early on. So mm-hmm. if you look at, Artemi Panarin um, and and Mika Sabanjad as your one-two punch offensively. The the pro the and this is where the Rangers are going to have to solve this at some point, and they'll probably do that through their defense in terms of asset trading. But the drop off in terms of point production after those two is dramatic. Like it really is. It really is Artemi Panarin, Mika Sabanjad, and then after that, like the drop off is 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 dramatic. Um, and to be a, a a top team, to be a playoff team. And to be a top playoff team, you need to have balance throughout your lineup. So you can't depend on two players, no matter how good they are. I mean, go look at the Edmonton Oilers with, uh, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl. Those guys are two of the best players in the league. But, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, they've missed the playoffs a bunch of times. And it's not a guarantee they're going to make the playoffs now. Uh, Even though their their division is super weak, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, They're still, you know, they have a lot to prove in in that sense. So 
you know, and I, I don't mean the players, I mean the team as a whole. Um, but it just shows you that two players can, can, you know, can produce a lot, but unless you have balanced scoring and you've got a second, third and fourth line that can contribute, it's going to be difficult cracking these, you know, beating these best teams. The best teams in the NHL have a lot of depth. Sure. They've got high level talent, but they've got third and fourth lines that, that just that constantly put the puck in the net. And I think that that's where the, the drop of, you know, is with the Rangers is that their, their first line with Zibanejad and Panera, no matter who you put on the wing with them is going to be good. But then that's what happened on that second line, that third line, that fourth line. And, and yeah, we've got a lot of kids there like Heedle and Kako. And then one, you know, Krasov is going to come up at some point. But you, you're, we're still going to we're going to need production, you know, through the rest of the lineup at some point. If this team is going to uh, contend for a playoff spot this year or next year. Yeah. And, and well, I think you're forgetting about Ryan Strom, who, by the way, has 42 points in 45 games. He's close to a point per game pace. And yes, most there a lot of that is for playing with Panarin, of course. But here's the thing, and you know there has been a lot of talk about Ryan Strom and why you know on Twitter people have been very vocal about why the Rangers have to trade him. But here's the thing, and I'm going to make a case for keeping Ryan Strom here. Oh, jeez. Even though I'm not necessarily on, on in that camp that I want to keep him, but. Ryan Strom playing with Artemi Panarin, being almost a point on a point per game pace, centering the Panarin line, gives the Rangers the freedom to put Zibanejad on a different line and spread your top talent. This is what good teams do. I, I don't like that idea the, at all. I this don't. is what good teams do. I'm not saying. Look, it depends on what Strom wants. You know, I, I wouldn't pay him. Uh, I wouldn't pay him like seven million a year. No, but I no. would. I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even pay him five million. Um, and I was actually talking to uh, to people last week about Strom, uh, who the who the best comparison for Strom is. You know, in terms of uh, their situation right now, where they come from, uh, uh, you know, uh, contract wise, and. You know, it's really difficult to uh, to to come away with a number for an extension for Ryan Strom where people are happy. Um, and the best comparison I could come up with that's easy to explain to Ranger fans is Derek Broussard. And if you look he's at Derek, not, he's not he's not Derek Broussard. Broussard was better. I'm not saying he's Derek Broussard. When Derek Broussard came to the Rangers. He was he was not as good as he was after a year or two on the Rangers. When Derek Broussard joined the Rangers, the Columbus Blue Jackets had given up on him. You know, he was a high draft pick, sixth overall, who didn't really put things together in Columbus. And he was ba- he wasn't even the main piece in the Gabrick trade. You know, Ranger fans were happy to acquire Derek Dorsett. Derek Derek Broussard wasn't like the main piece in that trade. I remember that. Uh, the third piece was John Moore. There were no draft picks. It was three players for Marion Gabryk. And then Derek Broussard played his first game the day he was traded against the Penguins. I remember it till this day. And he put up a four-point performance, a goal and three assists. And he was a 50-60 point player after that. Now, Ryan Strom coming over from the Edmonton Oilers, 
was not really doing well either with the Islanders or with the Oilers, and now with the Rangers he is. If you look at their uh, their qualifying offer in their final year as a restricted free agent, and then look at the numbers, um, <clears throat> Derek Broussard uh, signed a five million extension at the time, which was seven point seven percent of the cap. If you look at the same cap hit percentage, um, and you adjust for inflation, you adjust for the salary cap going up, and you adjust for the qualifying offer and, and everything, the, exten- the extension for Ryan Strom comparable to Derek Brassard would be $5.7 million a year. I would not do that. That would be 7.06% of the cap. I wouldn't give him that. I'm just telling you. I'm just how I feel. I would not give him that. And I'm pretty sure a lot of people agree with you on that. But He's, he's, not, he's not worth that. I'm 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 slowly reaching the point where I think that Ranger management might might do. They might think he's worth that because uh, uh, that 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 really upsets me because I don't think he's worth that. I just I can't I can't give him I can't give him more money than I'm giving Mika Zibanejad. Can't can't. Um, yeah, but that's that's you know those two are different situations. Ryan Strom it doesn't it, no, no. it doesn't matter though. It it does it does. Greg, it does. When you sign a player with one restricted free agency year left, that cap hit is going to be higher than a player like Zibanejad, who had several RFA years left. That's just I, know, how- I, 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 get that, I get that part of it, but there's just, uh, to me, Ryan Strom is, in free agency, he's not worth five. He's not worth five in free, in free agency. He's not even worth six in free agency. No. But, but I, I think the, the, uh, you know, the performance by Ryan Strom being almost a point-per-game player playing with Panarin and that giving the Rangers the opportunity to play Zibanejad on a different line and spreading their top talent, I think that's, that is what's going to push Gordon over the edge and assign Strom to a long-term extension. Ah, that makes me very nervous. Uh it's just it's the way I see it, man. I, I might not that agree is, with that it. That's a terrible idea. I really don't I might not agree with it, but that's the way I see it going. That's that's, that's I mean, that's it. just not what I'd rather do. I mean, I'd rather try to find a suitor for him this year and see if I can see if I can flip him and get something really good this year because he's having a fantastic year. Because some GM there's gonna be a dumb GM out there that's gonna give him five million dollars. Yeah, you might be right. You might be right, but and they, and and it's just that. And the thing is, is once you take once you take him off of off of a, a top line and, and ask him to produce on his own, he's going to go right back to where he was in Edmonton. True, but you know he can't. He can't. I, I'm sorry, just for that kind of money, I want I want to carry his weight, and I don't think I don't think he can. And that's that's perfectly fine. I just don't think the Rangers see it that way. Uh, then then there's then there's then there's a problem. I mean, that, that, to me, that's an issue. You know, it, I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather give, I, I, I just, I, I know, I know the rain, the problem with the Rangers is sometimes they get so glossy eyed with certain players and they just can't look through all the little details. You know, I'm not saying Ryan Strom is like, let me get this straight or let me, let me lay this out there. I don't think Ryan Strom is a bad player. As a matter of fact, I think if this team was ready to contend, like we were a we were a playoff team, and you know we were fighting for a cup. We were you know a top four seed in the in the East. We were one of the better teams in the league in the East, right? I would say fuck it, keep Ryan Strom, and if you have to eat two years later on and move him, you do it. But 
you want that depth. You want him at that two, three, you know, slot so that you have depth throughout your lineup. But this is a rebuilding team. I don't want to commit money to a guy that I think I can I can fill that roster spot with a draft pick down the road. Yeah, and, and that, that makes And that's my sense. point. That's just my point. It's just it's it like Ryan Strom doesn't provide anything like outstanding worthy that I can't find with another first round draft pick somewhere. Yeah, and that's a fair point. Um, but I, I, I think Ryan Strom is going to be a Ranger for a few more years. I think, and I think that's a bad move by the by the Ranger front office. Speaking of bad moves, um, what do you think the Rangers are going to do with the goalie situation? Because it looks like there's no good move to be made. It looks like any scenario with their current goalie situation is going to lead to a decision that e that a large part of the fan base will disagree with. Yeah, no, I mean, I, the, the problem is we, you, we have uh, a three-headed monster, so to speak, and there can be points made about keeping or, or well, all right, the only one I would say that I think 99.9% of the fan base is on board with is Shostorkin is not part of the move part, right? No, Shostorkin is going to be on this team for the next few years. Right, okay, so so we can agree there. It yeah, really, yeah. It come, really, it comes down to the fan base saying, are we moving Georgiev or are we moving Lundqvist, right? Yep. That's really what it comes down to. Now, here's the key to that. Now, we've, we've, we've been down this Lundqvist road so many damn times, okay? Now, I've heard some people say, Let, buy out Lundqvist. You're an idiot. Don't do that. That's just dumb, okay? Let's just, just – we just ignore that. Don't even bother buying him out. That's, oh, just, that's I, a know, dumb idea. Listen, in a few minutes, I'm going to make a case for that. Even oh, though I don't, dude, you, no. I hope you had a couple of drinks before that because you really, you're really off your rocker. Like buying him out makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely I'm gonna make, no sense. I'm gonna make a case for it after you finish your. Okay. F- fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So, what, in my opinion, buying Lundqvist out is a dumb move. Now, if you want to see whether he would, you know, you want to re-engage that conversation and see if he'd like to go to another team again. I'm all for that. I mean, that might make some sense. And, you know, then you could eat, you know, a, a portion of the contract and move him. Sure. Maybe that'll work. But that also precludes him wanting to do that. So and that and, and, and I haven't seen anything to make him think that's what he wants to do. So there goes that. Now we get we, we come to Georgiev. Now, here's the question. Do you think Georgiev is more of a product of Benoit Allaire or do you think he is this or you think he's really good now? I would probably lean more towards the former and think that Benoit Allaire has probably made him at better than, than, than he was to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that he's not going to be a good goalie either. Um, I think the, uh, um, you're going to get more of a return for Georgiev than I think people think. I think that the goalie market right now is kind of hot, actually, and it's usually not. But I think the, the goalie market is kind of hot where you might be able to drum up some, you know, uh, some interest there where you can get some teams to compete against each other for a good package for him. So if I'm the Rangers, I try displaying Georgiev for the next like week and then see if I can flip something for him. Um, yeah. And, you know, your Georgiev, Georgiev point is a good one. Um, there is value uh, to be had in a Georgiev trade. I've seen people make the comparison with Cam Talbot saying, oh, what if we only get a second round pick or whatever? Yeah, completely different situations. First of all, um, Talbot was traded in 2015 where there were better, younger goalies on the market in, at the time, better, 
Robin Leonard and Martin Jones. Correct. Um, Cam Talbot did not have any restricted free agency years left. Correct. He was uh, 27 years old at the time, and he was on a one-year extension, which means the team acquiring him cannot negotiate a new contract until January 1st. All those things combined lowered Cam Talbot's value. Now, looking at Georgia, in the current situation, he's 23 years old. He's coming off a uh, his entry-level contract, and he has four... Let me see. No, in, in the summer, he will have three more RFA years left. So that means he's cost controlled. A team can sign him to a two-year bridge deal and still have control over him. That is huge. That gives him value. So if if they try, if they decide to trade Georgiev, I'm all for it. You know, go, go, go out there and get the best return available. I don't care if you trade him in the division. You know, I, I hear people on... On social media, say, oh, please don't trade him in the division because blah, blah, blah. Yeah, um, Ottawa tried to do that with Mike Hoffman by trading him to the San Jose Sharks, who then turned around and traded him for a better package to the Florida Panthers, who were in the Ottawa Senators division. Don't, 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 don't worry about trading him in the division. Trade him for whatever package you think is best. I agree. That's if you decide to go the Georgiev way. Now, I'm going to spend the next two, three minutes upsetting a large part of the fan base. So strap in, folks, and get ready. If the Rangers don't want to trade Alexander Georgiev and Henrik Lundqvist does not want to waive his no-move clause and they still want to go with the two Russian goalies for the next season, they can actually buy out Henrik Lundqvist's contract. And it's not as bad as people think it is. If we don't look at the history and if we don't look at what Lundqvist has done for this franchise, if we just, if we, you know, if we shove that aside for a second and just look at the situation with his contract and with the, with the state of the team, mm -hmm. if they decide to buy out Henrik Lundqvist, they save $3 million in the final year of his contract which is 2020-2021, and then they have a cap penalty of $1.5 million for one year after that. That's, that's not a smart move. You can say it's not a smart move. It's not a horrible move either. If, it if, is a horrible. That's what I'm saying. It, it is horrible. It's, it's horrible in a lot of ways. It's, har it's horrible against the cap, and it's horrible optics-wise. How is it horrible? How is it horrible against the cap? You're saving three million in his final. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. But it's it's not like it's it, but you're not saving. You're still gonna have to pay him some so, uh, some of that salary. Yeah, yeah, but the salary is is none of our concern. You know, we it's not about the money. Uh, it's about the cap hit, right? So so hold on, hold on, hold on. How much, what's what's the cap hit percentage? What do you mean? Like how much? How much do? How much of his money for his last season are we on the books for? Uh, he he makes his cap hit is eight point five million. If right. we buy if we buy him out, his cap hit will be five point five. So you save three million for the seat. And this this remember this is the season where the Shattenkirk buy. Yeah, so you're gonna yeah, but you're gonna yeah, but you're gonna have you're gonna have five you're gonna have five million in dead cap money, dude. No, 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 no. You listen. Here's the thing. You have $6 million cap penalty on Shattenkirk already. Yes. You're saving $3 million on Lundqvist's contract in, in, in this buyout. 
It's just, it's I, just, you're saving I, three million. I, I understand, I understand that, but I mean, that's just, it, it just, it just, it, it doesn't make sense. It, it just doesn't make sense, man. It, it makes sense if the I ring- don't get, I mean, like, I, I'm even, I'll be very honest. I'm looking past this thing. Like, Lundqvist is just a name. Like, I'm not even looking at his, at his legacy. I still think it's not a great idea. Look, it makes sense if the Rangers decide to go ahead with the two Russian goalies and Lundqvist doesn't want to retire or waive his no-move clause. I just, no. I, I think you're going to get, but I think you're going to, you're going to get, you would get better value for Georgiev than you would buying out um, Lundqvist and doing nothing with that. Okay, what about the long term? I mean, look, the long term solution is is just Thorkin, no matter how you look at it, no matter how you dice it. So, long term, you give up a twenty three year old goalie in Georgiev to have a thirty eight year old goalie on the team for another year. Yeah, but for I, one year, for one I, year, dude. Look, I'm just trying to understand the people who are advocating for the buyout. Well, yeah, but I'm I'm trying to understand like. The thing is, is that it's not like it, it, I understand what you're trying to say. You're trying to say like the idea is to move on from Lundqvist and have the two young goalies. I understand the logic in that. The problem, the, the problem is, is that where, where you are, it's going to be very difficult to navigate that road. So you're going to have to make a decision on what you want to do. And you're probably going to get more for Georgiev now than you ever will. That's, that's fair. That, that, that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So you 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 can you can trade Georgiev now, probably get an outstanding return for him, especially if you package him with with something else that another team might need. You know, you can throw him in a package and very easily get yourself a fantastic package return. Mm-hmm. Now you get a good return for him that's going to aid your team. You've still got your 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 young stud goalie that you're that you're grooming, and you've got Lundqvist to to, to guide him for the next year as the backup. It's fine. Yeah, that that, that makes sense. I'm just I'm just trying to. You know, I'm trying to explain the the benefits of a Lundqvist buyout, and you know, if we were saying if if, it, if we it's if not the buyout, I'll put it to you this way: the buyout would only make sense if 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 we were on if we were on if we could get out from all of this money. Then I'd say sure, maybe think about it. Then I'd say then I'd say it makes some sense. But just to have dead cap money for Lundqvist just makes no sense, dude. I'd rather have him on the team, or I'd rather trade him. Of course, but you know the trade scenario only only makes sense if he waives his no move clause. This fair is enough. The, and fair enough. And he's, and, he's, and he's and he's earned that right. So if that's the fact, then I think of him as part of the team for this year and next year, which is fine. And then my, um, you know, um, you know, then like I'm trying to think how to explain this. Like it let he he's earned that right to do that. So now, it, it, at least in my opinion. So now it comes down to what do I want to do with my goalie situation? Well, I believe Shostorkin is the future of this team, no matter what. So then Georgia becomes my, you know, because we've done such a good job of grooming him as a fantastic prospect, just like you, you know, like, just like we talk about when you have an abundance of something, you want to use one of them to get your team better. This team is absolutely desperate for really good forwards. Why do you not try to move a good goalie prospect and get some forwards? If you can move Georgiev and get yourself some 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 draft picks and, or some forwards that could make a serious impact on this team, I think you'd be dumb not to do it. Yeah, yeah, of course, and you know I, I understand that. I'm just trying to I'm just you know trying to make a case for the Lundqvist buyout. And the only other scenario where you go where you move forward without Lundqvist is if he retires, which I don't see happening. 
I don't see that happening either. I think, I think honestly, if, if push comes to shove, here's what's going to, here's what's going to happen. Lundqvist is going to play the rest of the season. He's going to play the rest of next season. And he's either going to want, he's going to do one of two things. He's either going to walk out into the sunset or he's going to keep continuing with one year backup deals for the Rangers on, on, on the league minimum and just, and just play for a backup. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't think he's going to sign for a league minimum. People said the same thing about Marlowe. It's not happening. Um, I, I, you know what, honestly, when I know, I, I, I honestly believe he would do that. I, I believe that, that I believe that, that Lundqvist probably would love to have another run at a cup. And if he feels like at the end of his, those two years, the end of next year, if he feels like that team has turned the corner, he might just say, you know what, give me one year. Let me just be the backup and I'll run with it. Basically giving them a year, basically. I could see that. And that's not a terrible solution. I would give him, I would go year to year with him until he's ready to walk away. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. You know, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Just let him finish his contract, go to year to year to him with, you know, a, a million dollar, you know, backup role and just go from there. Look, the big question in here is, are you willing to give up Georgiev? <laughs> depending on the return, of course, are you willing to give up Georgiev to keep Lundqvist on the team? Yes or no? Um, I'm, I, I, I don't want to say, Yes, but I don't want to say no. Everything depends on the return, right? I'm not giving away Georgiev, but if you give me an offer that I feel like is is fair or more than fair right now, then I'm going to pull the trigger on it. All right. And I do believe that at the current, in the current space we're in, the goalie mock the goalie market is super hot. So you actually might be in a prime position to get something really good. Whereas in a year from now, I don't know. You know, it's just like the stock market. You might be in a right moment where the Rangers have the right asset and there's the right trade market for it where you might actually get something you're not going to look if you think that return frame is going to be a second round draft pick you're out of your mind you're getting a lot more than that I yeah I guess, yeah, I guess it, it does all depend on the return uh, I've seen some people advocate for a trade with Toronto where uh, we get uh, Johnson back uh, Elliot Friedman just tweeted out that um, according to him the Rangers will not trade Georgiev just for a prospect like Jeremy Bracco. There has to be more coming back. And, the, so I, and, the, and then the Rangers are right on that. And yeah, of course, Jeff Gordon is right to ask for more. Yep. Um, and there are more teams that are in need of a good goalie. Dude, there's like, I kid you not, there are like five or six teams that could use him. Now, the question is, are there playoff teams who are interested in him? Are there playoff teams who are who trust him enough to rely on him in the, in the postseason? Well, I mean, no, you, nobody, know, nobody, nobody knows that answer no. just yet. No, no, no. But if of you're course. asking me, are there other bubble teams or playoff teams that could use him? Yes. Um, I still think uh, Calgary is a, is, is, a, is a possible destination for a good goalie. I think, I think, I think uh, Calgary makes sense. I think Edmonton makes sense. I think Toronto makes sense. Um, you know, aside from Montreal, aside from Montreal and Winnipeg, it feels like every Canadian team makes sense for a goalie. Yeah, right. How crazy is that? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, there's 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 lots of teams that, that that can make sense for it. I mean, you know. Yeah, but it's interesting to see what's going to happen. I don't think they're going to buy out Lundqvist, you know. But I always like to explore the scenario, you know, see what the upside is what the risks are. 
And even though I wouldn't buy out Lundqvist myself, I can understand why some people would advocate for it. I, I don't because I just don't think it makes sense. I think getting the, the most out of your prospects and playing the course of action is, 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 is the, the best route. You know, I don't want to kill dead money just to kill dead money. Like, I don't want to do that. Well, I, I one, thing, one thing we can agree on, Shestjorkin is the future of this team in that. And, and that's what I preface when we started this whole goalie conversation is yeah. if we're all in agreement with that, then we can probably figure out that the move is going to be Lundqvist or Georgiev. And unless Lundqvist waives his no trade clause and he wants to go somewhere, Georgiev will be moved. Yeah. Or we just, we just stick with what we have now and keep all three for the, for the foreseeable future. Which is weird, but I could see that. I, like, I, Gordon is not in a bad position. I mean, if nobody gives him anything worthwhile, he's going to hold on to Georgiev and try to trade him over the summer. Um, I'll say one more thing before we move on to the next uh, next topic. Um, I think Gordon and Quinn have not handled this goalie situation as well as they could have because they played Georgiev too many games um, because now they're in a situation where he's no longer waiver exempt. If they would have played him 15 or 16 games up to this point in the season, yep. they could have swapped Chesterkin and Georgiev, sent Georgiev to Hartford, uh, uh, for, to Hartford for a couple of weeks, call up Chesterkin, go with two goalies, and you wouldn't have this ridiculous situation where you have three goalies on the team and Lundqvist is, is, has to go like 16, 17 days between starts. Well, he, or the or the or the flip side to that is that maybe the Rangers really do believe in Chestorkin so much that they're just trying to get Georgiev's value up there because they really believe that he's the hot commodity, which is what I think. That's fine. I just think they could have handled this better, you know, by that's taking fair. by taking waiver status into account. I, I that's not that's not unfair. I, I, I won't disagree on that. Because we all know Chestorkin is the future. They could have handled this better. That's that's all I'm saying. I think that's fair. Speaking I of the future, fair. let's go from the future in net to the future on the blue line. Yes, go go for it. Because, oh my God, Anthony D'Angelo had a five-point game. And it was yes, glorious. Yes, he did. It was glorious. Uh, he had a hat trick and two assists uh, against the Devils. And, you know, how remarkable is it that, that Panarin and D'Angelo have five-point games in back-to-back home games against the closest rivals in the Devils and the Islanders? Let's, let, let that sink in for a second. Yeah, it's cool for me because I absolutely hate the Devils. Yeah. D'Angelo has five points in a game. Um, I think he's now top five in scoring amongst defensemen. Um, and he has been absolutely... He, he he's been he has been great this season. Yeah. Uh, yeah yes, he has thirty. He's had a very good season. He has thirty six points now in forty five games. I don't think anyone expected this when the season started. We had on the right side we had Truba. We knew Adam Fox was coming in, um, and D'Angelo was gonna be you know like that third pair defenseman on this one year extension, and they were gonna find a, a a suitor for him in a trade, and they were gonna get rid of him and get something of value in return. I don't think that's going to happen. That There's no way you could trade D'Angelo. Of, of course, you know, no one's untradeable. If the, right, if the right package comes along, if the right returns on the table, you pull that trigger anyway. 
but I'll, I'll be honest with you, man. I'm but, glad you brought this up because I but, actually, I think you can get a lot from right now. It has to be a get, damn good. Um, it has to be a damn good offer. I mean, like I think you could literally rob a team right now for D'Angelo. Um, the only trades I would be happy with for Anthony D'Angelo, and I don't want to trade him, but if we have to, if, if we're going to trade him. It has to be either a left-handed defenseman or a center in a one-for-one -one trade, which means a player of the same caliber. Would I you package him with Georgiev? It, it has to be a star player coming back, man. William Nylander. No. No, 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 no. No, no, I, no, I don't want William Nylander. If I'm trading D'Angelo, if I'm no no, if I'm packaging D'Angelo and Georgiev, I want a center who can play top six minutes all, all situations. I would do I would do Georgiev and, and I would do Georgiev and D'Angelo for Nylander right now. No. Yes. Absolutely I would do that. I would run that paperwork to the office. I would trade D'Angelo for Nylander straight up. I don't think that I, I I don't think that gets it done. But if you're going to add Georgiev, then something has to come. No, back. I, I now I don't mind if we get something else back with Nylander, like a pick. But I mean, I think I think I think you're I think to get Nylander, you need more than D'Angelo, and where Georgiev probably puts it over the top, and you probably need a little something from Toronto maybe to offset the balance. But that's the kind of player I would be targeting. Like I think at this point, if you were going to trade D'Angelo, and I don't think the Rangers are, um, but and I can make it just like you made a case for uh, for um, buying out Lundqvist. The case for trading D'Angelo more than anything is the amount of depth this team has coming out of their pipeline. They have so many defensemen; it's almost stupid. Mm -hmm. That's you know, that's like you, you, you know, you really could think about the future and say, "Do I want to pay D'Angelo the money that he's going to demand playing second pair minutes? Probably not. Probably not." So why not rob a team right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, if if, if they're going to keep D'Angelo, I think the solution lies in moving someone from the right side to the left side. And I've already made up my mind who that person is going to be. Who's that? The other amazing defenseman we've had this season. Oh, Fox. I mean, yeah, you I can mean, move him there. I mean, Fox has been... His lateral movement is great. You know, he covers on defense more than once, covers both sides. His lateral movement makes it possible for him to play his offside, in my opinion. Yeah. Adam I Fox. Mean, he's been our best defenseman, really. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's between Fox and D'Angelo, but if you look at the whole package, like the, the more complete player, it's Adam Fox. That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about penalty kill. I'm talking about even strength. I'm talking about the power play. I'm talking about offensively carrying the puck. You know, uh, you know, gap coverage. I'm talking all of that. When you talk about all all those factors, Fox has been our best defenseman. So here's a question for you: um, How many uh, defensemen, 21 and younger, put up more points than Adam Fox in their first 45 games before this season since 2000? Eric Carlson, maybe? How many? Oh, how many? I'm trying to think of names. Maybe like three. There's two. Okay. Is Eric Carlson one of them? Nope. 
Oh wow. Um, dang, that's that's really hard because he's like the best example I could think of. So actually, Victor Hedman maybe. I actually tweeted about this. Um, you know, defensemen twenty-one and younger in their first season since nineteen ninety-eight points through the first forty-five games of the season. Uh, Aaron Ekblad had twenty-seven. Dion Phaneuf had twenty-seven. Adam Fox has twenty-six. The only other two players ahead of Adam Fox are also this season in Kill McCarr and Quinn Hughes. Hmm. Three of the three of the top five in this category in scoring are playing this season. Kill McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Adam Fox, Dion Phaneuf, and Aaron Eckblad, the other two. I mean, it, then, shows you how, it just shows you how good those three kids are. And then there's three players who are tied with Adam Fox for 20, 26 points in that, in that span of 45 games. It's Mikhail Sergachev, Zach Wierenski, and Tyler Myers. Wow, that's, a, that's an amazing company to be in. It is. And if, if Kel McCarr and Quinn Hughes were not having the stellar seasons they're, they're, currently, they're currently on, we... Adam Fox would be in the conversation for the Calder, no question. I think you're absolutely right. And, I mean, I, he, I think I think Kale McCarr wins the Calder this year, but having said all of that, if he wasn't around, if he wasn't in the conversation, I think uh, you know, if, if him and Quinn Hughes weren't weren't in the mix right now, I think Adam Fox really probably wins the Calder. And the the fact here's an interesting thing. The fact that the Rangers are probably going to have a player finish in the top three or top five of the Calder and finish in the top three or the top five in the heart is unreal. You know, don't count out Capo Caco. I think, I think we might end up with two players in the top five for Calder voting this year. In Fox uh, and- I don't know if Caco's going to crack the top five. All right. Name five rookies that are better than Caco this season. The th- well, three that we mentioned so far. Yeah, and then maybe Olofsson. Yeah. And that's about it. Mm. Are Jack Hughes or Kirby Doc going to get more I think, votes? Well, I mean, Jack Hughes is actually having a really good season. Maybe. Who knows? No. I mean, uh, I think he's going to get some more sympathy votes, too, especially playing on that. I mean, he's the only thing on that fucking team. That's it. Like, the, the, the crazy thing is, is, is before the season started, everyone was, was pumping their chest about how the Devils would have the best rebuild and they were headed, best, headed there. Best offseason. Yeah, and it's it, it, isn't it, the only the only thing the Devils have is Jack Hughes. That's it. And I'll tell you something else, guys. If you don't think if you don't think Jack Hughes really wishes he was a Ranger, you're out of your fucking mind. Out of your mind. I guarantee you that that in the span of the next couple of years, Jack Hughes is going to want to somehow find himself over in Vancouver to play with his brother, or he's going to want to get out of New Jersey because that place is going to be an absolute tire fire for the future. Unless they somehow, you know, get uh, Lafreniere again or something and get another first, you know, top. Hey, I mean, they can always go the Edmonton Oiler route and go for three first overall picks in five years. They could, they could, and th- they'll probably still fuck it up because that because that's what they do. Probably, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, for a team that had the best off season, according to all the experts, they're having a really, really disappointing, disappointing year so far. Yeah. I would agree with that. So moving on. Um, so yeah. So we've covered the 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 like the Tony D'Angelo thing. I guess just to recap that he's been he's having a phenomenal season. Five point nine the other day against the Debbies. Um, I I just think that I, mean, I don't think Gorton is going to trade him, 
But I think if we're going to look at some trade assets, um, he might be someone that I would dangle in front of some teams simply because I know I'm going to have to pay him a lot of money. That's it. I know I'm going to have to pay this guy. And I know how good he is. So I know there are teams out there, especially playoff teams, that would love a young, highly skilled, highly offensive weapon like Tony D'Angelo and who would give me something really juicy in return, you know, where I can do that. And then I can just say, cool, let's just let's call up Lundquist. Let's call up, you know, Miller. Let's just let's just bring the other kids on board. Let's just let's just push the kids. You know, Smith is gone. Stahl is gone. Eventually, just keep getting these kids out there. So, you know, Tony D'Angelo, as, as good as he is, I think the Rangers are getting close to a decision on him. They're going to either have to be in on him or they're going to have to move him. I don't think playing this year by year thing is smart with them. Because I think that eventually he's gonna he's gonna price himself out where his return is not that not not that great. Yeah, um, and you know what makes me really happy now that we're talking about defensive prospects a bit. Mm-hmm. And more and more people are trying to are 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 starting to uh, appreciate what Nils Lundqvist has been doing in Sweden. Oh, he's been fantastic. He's, he's he, fantastic in the world. He was fantastic in the World Juniors too. He was, he was probably he, he was probably one of Team Sweden's best players. He was. He, he was. I think. To, I think he was on par with Rasmus Sandin in terms of uh, the defense on Sweden. Um, but what he's been doing in the Swedish league, um, he's been carrying his team on offense and on defense as a as a teenage defenseman in arguably the third best league in the world. It's it's phenomenal. And I'll say um, this: there, there 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 are a lot of fans out there who 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 wanted who wanted uh, Sandin instead of Lundqvist. I mean, they're both they're both really good prospects. You you know, it it really is just a matter of an opinion. I think both are going to be very good. Yes, yeah. it's it's so, it's really hard not, to pick the. Pick. I'm not upset. I'm not upset at all. Like, I think no. anybody who's upset that the Rangers took, you know, Nils Lundqvist over, you know, Rasmus Sundin, they're both going to be outstanding prospects. And they're both, in my opinion, they're both going to be, you know, uh, you know, top four pairs. You know what I mean? Yeah, and 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 you know, I love Rasmus Sundin and. The only the only case you could make for Sundin over uh, over Lundqvist is that in his draft year Sundin played in the OHL, um, so he was um, you know he he was he was coming through uh, the 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 Canadian major junior system, which m- might make his transition to North American hockey is slightly easier. That's Maybe. the that's the Maybe. only case I can make for Sundin over Lundqvist because. You know, and we hear this all the time, you know, oh, they need to adjust. They need to go to the AHL first, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except when players are so dynamic and so talented that they make the jump straight away anyway. You know, yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you one thing that really Ante, impressed me. Ante Kopitar, for instance. There are players who make the jump from the Swedish Hockey League straight to the NHL without spending a minute in the AHL. Yeah, but has, that's, very, that's very rare, though. Yeah, 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 and you know why it's rare? Because that's only, uh, like, the the most talented players. But the same goes for juniors, you know? Yeah. The players who make the jump straight up are always the players who are the most talented. That's true. You're absolutely right about that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that the fans are, are, are seeing uh, what Niels Lundqvist has been doing in Sweden. Uh, I hope he keeps it up. He's having a really good season with Lulio. They just lost in the semifinals of the Champions Hockey League, unfortunately for him. Uh, but they're going strong in the Swedish League. They have a really good shot at winning the championship. And 
Uh, I've spoken to him several times. Uh, I met up with him three times this season, uh, three different locations. Uh, he's very happy in Sweden, but he's really looking forward to, you know, finally making that step to New York. Um, and and the trust that his team and his co- the coaching staff has in him in Sweden this year is, I think, a huge part of of why people should should be thrilled to have Lundqvist in the in the system. You know, one one thing I'll say about Lundqvist, um, watching him in the World Juniors, the thing that stuck out the most to me um, in terms of being really impressive is is not necessarily the points or any of that stuff, but his poise with the puck is really what like stood out to me. Yeah, lot. like it was yeah. very very noticeable how even when he's pressured, he doesn't get rattled. He found he found the right play and he didn't let the moment kind of overwhelm him. He always made the very smart play when when the pressure was on. And that is a trait that is very, very hard to, to find sometimes. Like, I'll give you an example is, is when you look at the current crop of Ranger defensemen, right? Um, and even though he's super, super young, the guy who does that the best on the Rangers is Adam Fox. He does not get rattled with the puck. He always makes the right play. He, he just, he plays a very simple, not simple, but a very smart high hockey IQ game. Like he makes the right play and he has a lot of poise with the puck. And Nils Lundqvist, I don't know if he has the offensive upside that Adam Fox has, but he definitely has the poise with the puck that Adam Fox has. And that is impressive. Um, What Fox and Lundqvist do, what you're referring to is they make it look simple. It's so hard. It's so complicated and so difficult, but they make it look simple. Yeah, they do make it look pretty easy. And and that they just they don't look like they get rattled. They just I mean it's like it's like they're being pressured and they just calmly skate with the puck and they find the right yep. seam and then they make and they make a pass. And you're just like anybody else, like if this was stall, he'd be dumping the puck back to himself and give it up. Or Girardi in the Stanley Cup final on his knees oh, trying to stop, desperately stop, clear the zone. <laughs> dude, I I gotta eat soon. I don't need to be nauseous. Just stop. <laughs> no, but um uh, you know, and, and this is what I what I what I've noticed when I went to the the games in Lulio and when I was at the World Juniors, where unfortunately I cracked my head open, but that's a story for another day. Um, when you look at Lundqvist and you look at the team and how they look at him, you know they they look for him when he's on the ice, they they look for him when he's on the bench. You know, he he may not have been wearing a letter because Adam Ginning was for whatever reason. But the players, you know, they go to him for whatever they need, you know, to, right. to, to talk or advice or whatever. I don't know. But when you see him on the bench, he's always engaged. He never sits down. He always leans over the boards. He's always giving instructions. He's always, you know, he's always talking to his, guy, to, to his teammates when they're on the ice. He's so engaged in the game, even when he's on the bench. And that's something I haven't seen uh, from from young players like him. Yeah, I I think it's all fair. I think you're right. All right. So let, last thing to talk about, which is probably going to be one of the more hot topics to go over, is Mr. Chris Kreider. What are we going to do with Chris Kreider? What do you think they should do with him? Um, in terms of what I want, um, you know. The, the best case scenario is to sign Chris Kreider to a four-year extension. Um, do, you think he, do you think he takes that, though? No, no, I don't. So that's not happening, which means you're, you're left with two other, three other scenarios. 
Scenario number three, I'm not even going to discuss because it involves him walking as a free agent in the summer. That's never happening. The two scenarios you're left with is trading him at the deadline or signing him for six years. And if I have to choose between those two, it's an easy, easy decision. You trade him at the deadline. I think, unfortunately, it's probably the right call. Uh, Kreider is. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna sign. Like I, I want him for four to five years at like six million, and I don't think he'll take that. Look, the type of player that Chris Kreider is generally doesn't age well after thirty-one. I I agree with that. Um, when you look at his speed and you look at a guy like Carl Haglin, fell off a cliff. Uh, his the edge that he has to his game reminds me a lot of Ryan Callahan. I don't even want to go there. Chris Kreider is a more complete player than both those than both Haglin and Callahan. But the point here is that the, the aspects that make Chris Kreider a good hockey player tend not to last very long after thirty. Yeah, I would agree. If if I, if he if he was a pure finesse player, you know, oh, then I give him I give him six years all day long. Exactly, but this is you know Wayne Simmons. Uh, you know, the, Wayne Simmons is a type of player that doesn't age well. We saw with Milan Lucic. Um, you don't really go long term with these players. If it's a guy like you know Patrick Marlowe, you know, go for it. They're good until they're thirty six, thirty seven. Justin Williams, go for it. But Chris Kreider, the timing is off. It's not that he's a bad player. It's not that he's going to be a, a shit player one, two years from now. The thing is, the Rangers are not going to be a legit contender until at least 2021, 22. Right. And, and this just goes back to what I was saying about um, Ryan Strom, actually. Like, I, I view Ryan Strom and Chris Kreider. I mean, obviously, Chris Kreider is a much more talented player than, than Ryan Strom, but it, it goes back to price versus timeline. You know, I don't think that, like, if we were in a win-now moment, I'd say sign both of these guys because they're cogs that you want for your depth. But you're going to be paying heavily on the back end of those contracts. Exactly. And so because of that, I think yeah. they're both expendable. If we were in win-now mode, then yes, sign Kreider to an extension. Who exactly. cares? Exactly. But we, we aren't. We aren't in a position that we were in in 2014, 2015, where we trade away assets to acquire immediate help. You know, the trade we made for Keith Yandel was a great trade. I wouldn't make it now. I want to be on the opposite end of, of a trade like that. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that's exactly the point. So having said that, I think Chris Kreider, I think we're I think we're both in agreement that trading Chris Kreider is probably the more prudent thing to do. And I like, and this is some, this is coming from somebody who likes Chris Kreider. So I do, I don't, I don't, I actually like the guy. Uh, I'm not, I don't want to trade him because I don't like him. I just want to trade him because I don't think that the backside of that contract is going to be very pretty. Um, if he would take a four year deal at, you know, $6 million. Sure. I don't think he would. No. Because he's gonna want. He's gonna want seven years, six years. It's probably his only time to really cash in on a long-term deal. And he exactly, should. exactly. And so he should. Um, so that goes back to the question of now, what's the destination for him? Well, I mean, that opens up to a whole bunch of teams. Actually, if you think about it, I still like St. Louis um, because they can. I don't know how how far Tarasenko is uh, for of returning to the lineup. 
but he could replace. They played her. so well without him, which is crazy. Exactly. If they add Kreider now at the deadline and then get Tarasenko back for the postseason, they're a juggernaut. I know. Uh, the other team that is a I very, think it's Colorado, man. I just wanted to say the other team that I think is a very likely destination for him is Colorado. Colorado makes a lot of sense for him. Imagine him flying with, with, with McKinnon. Oh, um, their, their top six would consist of Rantanen, McKinnon, Kreider, uh, Landeskog, uh, Kadri, and whoever is the sixth person. That's, that's a great top six to have. That's probably the best top six. That's probably the best top six in the West. Probably, yes. Can you think? I can't think of a better top six. Um, no. I, I, in the West, that's probably yeah. the best. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Not maybe, Vegas. No way. Maybe, maybe St. Louis? No. Maybe. No. Maybe? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, if he goes to Colorado, that's great. Um, or Edmonton. I, I've, I've mentioned that before. Yeah, but does he waive his no-trade clause to go to Edmonton? And I've said before on this podcast, I mean, to get a chance to, to, to fly with McDavid, it's not a bad choice. That, that is, that, that's, that's a good point. Um, you know, it's, I mean, sometimes we think about you know, Edmonton and we just think, like, oh, who wants to be there? But sometimes you've got to think about the player and like what their time would be like. And it's like, if you get to play with an all-time great like that, like, you'd be, sometimes it'd be silly not to want to try it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like, it's not like he's going there for the next several years. He's going there for half a season to play with Connor McDavid, and that would be fantastic for him. Mm. Yeah, um, and if he goes to Colorado, he he joins a team that has, uh, you know, like the depth up front. Um, in my opinion, the best young defenseman in the world, in Kel McCarr. Um, so yeah, it 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 could work. Um, but now the question is, what are we getting in return? Um, I mean, I, I think for me, if I'm trading for the Colorado, I want, I want Cout and I want a first round pick. Cout and a first round pick. Yes. And I'll retain half, and I'll retain half his salary. Oh, no, no. But retention is, is meaningless in expiring deals. Retention is, it doesn't even add value to a trade. The only reason teams... Retain salaries to fit it under the cap. They don't. Well, have that's to, what I'm, I, and but well, oh yeah, that's right. Colorado has plenty of cap room, right? They don't have to with Colorado. Oh, okay, that's right. They're not one of the teams I got to worry about. If, so. if you know, if you're trading Kreider, you're retaining salary. You do it because you trade him to Boston or Toronto or whatever. Okay, right, right. I keep forgetting that like Colorado is way under the cap. I don't know. They're, the, they're, they, they're bottom of the list in terms of salary. I, it just, it just, it's just so astonishing because they got so many superstars. I'm like, how the hell are they under the cap? Uh, Nathan McKinnon is the best contract in, in hockey. I know. It's crazy. Um, although I think Zibanejad's top three together with uh, Jacob Slavin. I, you know something? That's actually a very fair point. Best three contracts in the league are Nathan McKinnon, Nathan McKinnon uh, Mika Zibanejad, and Jacob Slavin. Those are three best contracts in the league. Yeah. It's not even close. No, no. Those are the best three contracts. You're, you know, in terms of production for dollar value, you're not even going to find anything close. So, yeah, if you get a first-round pick and a prospect, uh, a Martin Kaut, I like him as a player. Don't get me wrong, but I think his heart condition is a bit of a red flag for me still. Yeah. 
Um, it was they noticed it at the combine in his draft year. Um, they say that it's that you know that they fixed it, but st- still, it's ah, uh, it's a it's bit of super talented though, man. I know, but it's it's a bit of a red flag when someone at that age has already struggled with um with with you know hard related incidents. Yeah, that that would suck. I didn't I didn't know how serious it was. Um. But yeah, I mean, they they have they have other prospects. I don't think Newhook will be available. Um, no, no, I don't think they're going to get them up. Um, uh, then then you go to all right. So then, you know, then I think either way, I mean, no matter which team you you pivot to, you're going to ask for one of their top two picks plus a first rounder. Now they might pivot and say, we'll give you the we'll give you the the best we'll give you the better prospect and a second, or we'll give you the lesser prospect and a, and and a first or something like that. You know. Uh, yeah, and they, they just give you two options. That's, that's right, that's exactly. Fair. And so that's it becomes fair. up to the the GMs to discuss which one is better. And um, I don't know. I think I think where the Rangers are right now, and where the Rangers are right now, depending on the franchise, depending on the, the the franchise they're dealing with, you're gonna want the better asset. You know, if 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 it's a team that's loaded with prospects, just take the kid and then take the second. If you feel like their depth is not that great, take the first round pick. Well, see. I would lean towards going for the better prospect and then go with the lower pick because the Rangers are no, the Rangers aren't in year one of their rebuild anymore, you know? Yeah, but it, it might not be a prospect they even want, you know, it might be no, like, no, no, of course. Might, maybe, maybe someone's trying to force a prospect down your throat because they, 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 they want to keep their first. So you listen to other offers. There are other teams in the league that are interested in Kreider. You go with the best offer. You go with the offer that fits your timeline the best. That's fair. Because a first-round pick in 2020 is not going to be ready until, what, 2023, 2024, in terms of being a real contributor in the NHL. I'd probably say 2023, yeah. Yeah. If you acquire a prospect who was drafted two, three years ago, who is on the cusp of, you know, cracking the NHL, um, who can be a contributor in 2021, that's much better for your timeline. Totally fair. You're right. Good point. Um, so yeah, just, you know, play the market, see what offers you get and go with the best offer. I don't care if it's a division rival. I would trade them to the Penguins if they have the best offer. I don't care. Oh, so would I. I would trade them to the Islanders if they wanted to give me something good. Uh, Islanders, Devils, I don't care. Go with the best offer. I'm all for that, man. I'll send them, I'll send them wherever I, wherever I want to go, wherever he wants to go or wherever yeah. I can send him. As long as I'm getting something that's going to help me tremendously. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we'll see, but I, I think it's a, it's a, I think it's pretty clear that Kreider has gone at the deadline. Yeah. Um, I think you're probably right about that. So quick prediction for tonight's game against the Islanders. What are you thinking? Um, at the Coliseum. Yep. I think, I think the Islanders are going to, uh, I don't think the Islanders are going to lose two games in a row to the Rangers. I think the Rangers win tonight. <sighs> I hope so. Um, I think it's going to be a high-scoring affair, which is weird for the Islanders because they've been a low-scoring team all season. Um, I guess it depends on who's in net, uh, although Verlamo didn't look really good uh, on uh, – when, when, when was it? Monday? Um, when was that? No. I think it was Monday when they played uh, at Madison Square Garden against the yeah. Well, I mean, and just, just so the viewers know, we're, we're dropping this tomorrow. So 
the rain, the game is tomorrow night. So yeah, we're recording Wednesday. We're releasing Thursday. So tonight. Exactly. When people are listening, games tonight. Right. Um, I think it's going to be a close game, probably three two Islanders. Um, and the only thing I know for sure is that Panera is going to get a point. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably true. <laughs> I think that's a safe bet. I think the Islanders are going to edge it out three two though. I don't think they're going to lose to the Rangers twice in one week. That's fair. I I I I do think I think the, I think the Rangers. My guess: Rangers win. Rangers win big. Actually. That's, that's what I think happens. Um, and that goes to the next question is, so we're almost halfway through the season. Um, well, we are, so, we are, you know, we're, we're, we're at the 45 game mark, man. Wow. Has it been that? I thought it was about 40 games. Wow. No, 45, 45. Yep. Okay. All right. So we're, we're past the halfway point. Is yeah, we are. Making, is this team making the playoffs or are they missing the playoffs? They're not making the playoffs, man. I agree with that too. I think they're, they're missing they're, the playoffs. They're a 500 team before the deadline. They're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be hard sellers at the deadline. Um, do you think Jesper Foss is going to be gone at the deadline? I think it's possible. He's a pending free agent as well. I think it's possible. I think the guys that could be on the move are. I think he. Here's who will be moved. Kreider will be moved. Georgiev will be moved. Who I think could be moved would be Fast and D'Angelo. D'Angelo at the deadline? I could see it, dude. Yeah. Whew. Because I just think that the Rangers, simply because of the way it worked out last year, giving him that one-year deal, I think they, and then seeing him just like, like they've basically taken a reclamation project and made him like an insane, an insane asset. Yeah. But they're making it an insane asset that is hard to keep expensively dollar-wise especially when you've got so much money committed to your first two, first two blue runners. Yeah. So it just, yeah. it's just hard to commit that much money to a guy playing second pair minutes where you can fill that role with a Mills Lundqvist, a Keandre Miller, you know, a Joey Keane, uh, Igor Rykov. I mean, there's so many guys in the pipeline that can fill that role. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, now, don't get me wrong. They're not going to fill Tony's production, but they're going to fill the role that he does, which is fine. You just need to make sure that, you know, your other guys like your Adam Foxes and your your Jacob Trubas pick up the slack a little bit. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Um, so I think D'Angelo could be – I think he's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah, the only other unrestricted free agents are, I think, Michael Haley and Greg McKegg, but nothing's happening there. No, nothing's going to happen there. Um, so yeah, before we, uh, before we end this, uh, I would like to give a shout out to the Ottawa Senators for turning their franchise around with potentially two top three picks in the draft this this year. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Um, they, 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 this, it's not unlikely, you know, after giving away first round picks like candy, uh, and it blowing up in their face by giving up a top four pick. Now they're in a position where the San Jose Sharks first rounder is looking to be a bottom three pick free lottery, and they themselves are bottom five. So, yeah, the San the San Jose Sharks pulled an Ottawa Senators. There's, yeah, the San and uh, and I don't know if it was you or if it was me who said that uh, the San Jose Sharks would be a team to trade with for a first-rounder because they could very well be bottom of the league. I think I said that. I think it was you, but yeah. Either way, 
It, it's in one of our. <clears throat> it's in one of our earlier episodes. We we discussed it. When uh, I would have, I would have totally made a deal with them for that first round pick. Yeah, when the Sharks traded for Carlson, I remember we discussed it. Man, imagine if this backfires and they're a bottom team in 2019. Yep. Exactly, yep. and it and it has, and it happened. And the Ottawa Senators are getting rewarded for their own stupidity with just dumb luck. Yep, they are. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, well, we got a lot to talk about over the next couple of weeks, man. Lots of lots of hockey coming up and, yep. you know, trade deadline coming up pretty soon. Um, and then, obviously, we're going to be getting into um, where the Rangers go from there. I mean, uh, the trade deadline is going to be a big thing for the Rangers. It's going gonna, it's gonna to give you and us <clears throat> a real clear indication of where Gorton and J.D. and Quinn thinks this team is. Um, if they hold on to if they hold on to more pieces than they than I think that they that they should, it makes you think that they're going to try to re-sign some guys and make a push. If they're hard sellers, that makes you think that they're still in the rebuilding process, but they've got their plan. They're sticking to it. So um, yeah. it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting what happens. I do think what's interesting too is the Rangers for once have some pieces with lots of teams out there in the hunt that could that could want their pieces. Like I think we tried shoving some players down people's throats a couple of years and the just market wasn't as good. I think finally that market's going to reward us this year. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And you know, the deadline's only 6 weeks away. Yeah, so it's that's what I'm saying. The next couple of weeks is going to be really interesting. It's going to be a lot of hot, you know, hot and heavy rumors, so and next week, the All-Star game. Oh, right. Uh, I'm probably not going to watch that, though. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to say it. It's nice to have a, a, a Ranger being an All-Star for the right reasons. You know, because this new format where every team needs to be represented is just ridiculous. Uh, yeah, the, the, the fact that Kyle Palmieri was selected over Mika Zibanejad because the Devils have to be a, have to have a representative—it's insane. It's you know the same thing happened in previous years where there was a Ranger that needed to be sent to the All Star game and was always Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah. Nothing against Henrik Lundqvist, but there were seasons where there were far better goalies in the Metropolitan Division than Henrik Lundqvist who deserved to go. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like the whole thing. I actually, I'm not, I, I don't know. I've, I've gotten, I'm really over the All Star game. I don't think I've watched, I don't think I've watched a full All Star game now in at least four or five years. If, if you, if you want to be entertained, watch the KHL All Star Game Skills Competition. Now that's the only thing I do watch are the skills competitions of the All Star game. That's yeah. fun. The skill I don't com- watch the actual All Star game. The game. skill competition in the KHL is crazy. Uh, last year, they had a guy lighting his stick on fire for a breakaway. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, no, nobody, nobody goes over the top like the Russians. Nobody. Oh, I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. All right, but yeah, Panarin is a legit All Star, top three in the league in scoring, and we are lucky to have him. I, I'll go. I'll go one even further. I think Artemi Panarin is going to be. Uh, a Hall of Famer. Um, do you think Artemi Panarin is going to win the Hart Trophy this year? I think he's going to get top three votes. The other two being Dreisaitl and McDavid? I think it's going to be... I, I honestly think that Dreisaitl might not get enough votes because of, McDavid's going to you know, scheme those votes off of him. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be 
um, McDavid, and then some combination of Panarin and McKinnon. Um, I think I think Drysaddle, although he's second in points, I think I think that when teams have when when people have to pick an MVP, they're just going to go Connor over him no matter what. Yeah. Well, so I me- think I think it's it's one of those things where he just won't get votes because of Connor's on his team, and then I think that the other voters are going to try to go away from Connor for once and maybe yeah. think of well who on there is really pushing their team just like Connor is, and then I think Panarin's going to especially if the if the Rangers are in the hunt at all. All year, I think he's going to get, especially his his five and five play has been ridiculous. He's going to get some votes, and the same thing is true for Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, um, it wouldn't be the first time Panarin snags a uh, individual award uh, away from McDavid. What did he snag away from before? The Calder. Oh wow! I totally forgot they were rookies at the same time. <laughs> yep. 2015-16, he That's won the so call. Why, it's just because it's because Panarin's a little older. I, I keep forgetting. It's, about it's that. also because McDavid missed almost half the season with injury. Oh wait, that's right. I think he had like 48 points in 46 games and missed that's, the rest of the injury. Isn't that insane for a rookie? That's for, for an 18-year-old. That's, that's so it's so crazy. I can't even process that. For an 18-year-old, yeah, Panarin won the just... Calder over McDavid. So um, yeah. It actually started this uh, this this trend. There was this this one guy on uh, on Twitter who uh, who came up with what he calls the uh, Mac Eichel Award. It's the uh, rookie award for the player who has not played professional hockey yet, because McDavid lost to Panarin, who already played pro in Russia, and the following year. Uh, Eichel lost to... Oh, no, sorry. Uh, McDavid and Eichel both lost to Panarin, who already played pro. Ah. <laughs> so he came up with this thing called the Mac Eichel uh, Award, which is for the rookie who hasn't played professional hockey yet. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, Panarin won the Calder. If he wins the MVP this season, I think the Rangers have to make the playoffs because I don't think it has happened in the last 20, 30 years that the MVP did not make the playoffs with their team. I, I, it's something I have to research. Something I have to look up. Yeah, no, I think I, I think honestly, if 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 he if he single handedly carries them on his back into the playoffs, I think I think I think he should. I think he actually should win the MVP. Yeah, you know, I mean, all I mean, and and don't get me wrong, the the, the MVP, the the hard trophy is so weird. You know, it, I mean, at the end of the day, it really is an individualistic trophy, right? So if we're gonna go on that parameters, it should be Connor McDavid. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, every single year. Um, it just depends on, on, on the language and what you want to, how you want to frame it. You know, if, is, it, is it the best individual player? Well, then McDavid's going to win it every year, and it's not even mm-hmm. close, guys. Um, if it's going to be the most valuable to their team, I mean, now we're getting super, you know, super subjective here. Yeah. All right. So, uh, before we go, I have one question for you. See if you can get this. Um, aside from Yarmir Yager in 2006, Five other Rangers have hit the hundred point mark in a single season. How many can you name? Is it since since Yager or before? No, 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 no. Oh. In franchise history. Oh, okay. I was gonna say that really. I was like, I don't think that happened. <laughs> um, I would say Wayne Gretzky is one. Nope. Okay, Messier. He, he had ninety-seven. Messier is one. He had one hundred and seven in ninety-two. Okay, I'm gonna say Messier. Um. Rod Gilbert? Nope. Gilbert had 97 twice. What about Bathgate? Nope. Okay, what about 
You're in the right era, though. Vic Hatfield? Vic Hatfield in 72 at 106. Yep. Um, so I've got two. out of, And how many more do I need? Three more. Okay. Um, Mike Gartner? Nope. Adam Graves had, had, had 50 goals. Did he have 50 assists? No. Okay. Um, the number two, 109 points, was in the 71-72 season. Um, His number's up in the rafter. I think. Yeah, 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 it is. Um, so, uh, let's see. We uh, said Andy Bathgate, the Cavill, Jean Rattel? Jean Rattel, 109, yes. That leaves two more. 81-82 and 91-92. Oh, jeez, dude. Dude, the 91-92 player is so obvious. Uh, let me think. Hold on. Sam Rosen, Sam Rosen always goes with his answer for any trivia question. Um... Shoot. Well, we said Ron Bear, mm-hmm. Andy Badgate. It's got to be Brian Leach then, right? Brian Leach. There you go. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the um, last one, I don't think you're going to get this. He had 103 points in 1982. 82. Drafted by the Vancouver Canucks. Played for the Hartford Whalers and finished his career with the Edmonton Oilers in 86. Hey, you're not going to get this. Uh, shoot. Um, give me a hint. Um... He used numbers 27 and 17 for the Rangers. He's Canadian. Uh, it's, not really, it's not really helpful. It's Cana- Dude, back then, everyone's Canadian. It's uh, a good point, yeah. I mean, it's like, that's not real good. It's like, by the way, he was, <laughs> he was a, by the way, he was a man. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> Thank you. Really narrows down the field. Hey, you're not going to get this. Uh, gee, uh, who? Mike Rogers. I would never get that. No, no. So yeah, there's been have been six Rangers who hit the uh, hundred point mark. Artemi so Panarin. Yeah, so so, so Roger Bear, Brian Leach, uh, John Rattel, no, Andy not, not Roger Bear, Yarmey Yager, oh, John Rattel, So Yager, Yager, Leach, Rattel, Messier. No, yeah. no, Messier. Yeah. Um, Hatfield and, and Rogers. Hatfield, and then who was the other one? Mike Rogers. Right. Yeah, I would never got him. And Panarin can be number seven, and he's on pace to be the who to have the second highest point total as a Ranger. That's insane. That's that's absolutely. Insane. I'm saying he's going to be a Hall of Famer, dude. I'm just he just is. You know, I think this also points to how poor this franchise have, has been over the over the decades. I mean, Wayne Gretzky had seasons where he had more assists than any Ranger had points. 
I think. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, uh, Artemi Panarin can be the seventh Ranger in franchise history to hit a 100-point mark. Yeah. And I'm going on that. I mean, I know it's early to say. It's not, actually, I don't think it's early to say this. How many look at his look at his stats? Just out of curiosity, this is his fourth fourth season or fifth season? Uh, fifth. Yeah, two with fifth Chicago season. and two with. So uh, what are his what are what are his point totals each year? Um, let me let me quickly look it up, but it's in the seventies, I think. Um, come on, um, 77, 74, 82, 87. Dude, he's a, he's a, he's a if you're a point per game player, you're going to be in the Hall of Fame. He is a uh, he's twenty points away from tying his single season record, and he has thirty seven games to do it. Yeah, that's just that. If, if 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 let's just say the rest of his Ranger career, he averages somewhere between eighty five and ninety five points. Let's just say. Um, I mean, I think this is just a breathtaking year, but he averages eighty five points. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame, guys. He has 387 points in 367 games. <laughs> that is crazy. That is absolutely crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. The guy's a stud. Um, Anyways, all right. Good talking to you guys. Um, I feel like we, we've rehashed this thing a zillion times, but exactly. he's a stud. There's no, there's no way around it, man. Oh, and, and just, just quickly, um, Wayne Gretzky had more assists than any Ranger ever had points three times. He had 125 assists in 83, 135 in 85, and 163 in 86. That, that, dude, that 86 record is never getting broken. Wayne Gretzky had 215 points that season. That's what I'm talking about. That point record, that point total for that season, it's never getting broken. He had, two, he had 200 points three, four times in his career. That's absolutely, it's, it's absolutely, it's bananas. Yeah. It's, Best. it's, it's, it's like, it's seriously like it's playing, it's like playing NHL 20 on rookie mode. Uh, yep. And I, sometimes I wish I was born earlier so I could be, uh, so I could have witnessed it, but oh, well, that's what you got. That's what you got the, you know, the internet for. You can go watch some clips. Oh yeah, of course. I live in 2020. I have yeah. the internet. It's such yeah. a fun time to be alive. Yeah. This is, this is in 1970 where you had to go find fucking VHS tapes or whatever. You can uh, actually, you know, like go and watch old highlights on YouTube. I wish the old NHL highlights were as easily accessible as the old NFL highlights, but eh. you can, you, you can find them, dude. And they're really good, man. Like I used to watch, I've I watched know. a lot of the old, I've watched a lot of the old, like the old um, Edmonton Oiler dynasty from the eighties, uh, man, that, that you want to talk about a dynasty, man. If we're talking old time hockey, man, that, mm. that eighties Oiler team like that for that four year span fucking a man they you were know, just like they were just like they were like a, they were like a highlight reel consistently they were just like oh, an all-star team like the harlem globe trotters of hockey basically were, yeah yeah i just wish the nhl would you know do something more for content you know like the nfl has with their football live documentary series or you know all the content they have i wish the nhl would do something similar maybe not on the same scale but at least give us something yeah, they they should do they should they should provide some content for some like you know some old cool clips and stuff. But that's that's a rant for another day. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, maybe. I can talk about this for like twenty minutes, so we'll do yeah. it next week. <laughs> sounds good. Sounds All good, right. guys. All right, have a good day, guys, and we'll chat with you guys next week. All right, man. See you next week. Later. All right.